fact, South Koreans are already one year old when they're born. And I know that we know this, but I feel like other people might not know. But they start their age, like when they're born, they start their age at one. It's not like how, I guess, for us, we start at zero Yes. when we're born. So yeah. So technically, Koreans like are one year older than they are. Yeah. If that makes sense. They have like a Korean age and then an international age. Yes, yes. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. <laughs> I watch a lot of shows regarding that. Yeah. And like, apparently, they consider themselves a year older as soon as the new year hits. Yeah, I... Sometimes. that That's also common in China as well, because I remember people like don't have their real birthdays. They'll just like base it off of the Lunar New Year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh. Age is, ar- well, it's not that arbitrary, I guess, but it's, you know, it's a number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I treat all my friends, even if they're, like, a few months older, we, like, kind of treat each other all the same. Yeah. Like, me and you, we have a bit of an age gap, but... Yeah. We don't act like it. <laughs> no. I forget about it. I literally forget about most of my age gaps with people. Hi! Hi. I'm Leanne. I'm Tammy. And you're listening to Incrimination. One of these days we might have an intro. Like, that's, like, more fancy than this. But for now, it will just be us speaking it. No music. No music to cue us in. We don't need it. One, we can't afford it. And two, I don't know how to edit that in. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Even if we did have a jingle, like, I don't know where to put it. Yeah. We're we're, we're not that far into it yet. Yeah, no. Maybe one day. Yeah, we're... We're we're keeping it to the the you know like the meat of what you're here for, which is to listen to cases about true crime. So yes, that's all we care about <laughs> for now. And a little bit of banter here and there. Yeah. Oh, actually, I wanted to start this one by saying, um, if you ha- aren't already, to just go and follow us on Instagram. Yes. So that you can DM us because we usually leave that for the end. But I know even for me, I like literally as soon as a case is over, I turn off my podcast. Oh, yeah. True. Or I go to the next one. So I'm going to say it in the beginning while y'all are still here to go and follow us there. We do reply to DMs. If you have any cases for us that you want us to cover, then send us a message. Yes, yes, yes. We don't get that many DMs. Yes. Please so- slide into them. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Our DMs are looking dry. Yeah. Also, if you're listening to these cases without looking at the pictures, why? Exactly. What's the whole point? You know, I get that you might have very good visual imagery and imagination, because I do sometimes, but, yeah. you know, go look at the photos. They're cool. I, li- I like putting in faces to names, or names to faces and yeah. stuff. And I go out of my way, or we both go out of our way to look up these photos and make cute little graphics on Canva for you. So Yeah. Canva's awesome. I love Canva. Yeah, me too. I'm using it for a bunch of school projects right now, and it is a lifesaver because it's very easy to use. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the interface, the user interface, especially on, like, the mobile version, is so good. Yeah. They've improved it a lot. Did you know that Canva is owned by a Filipino lady? Oh, no, I did not. Yeah. Shout out to Asian people. Damn, I love that. Yeah. she. I think she's Filipino-American. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's Canadian. Pretty sure she's American. I don't know. But mm-hmm. anyway, shout out to Canva. Sponsor us. <laughs> um, so as you may notice by the title, this is part two of the Hua Song serial murders case. 
if you haven't listened to part one of this case, you should probably go do that. Yeah. And if you haven't seen Memories of Murder, which is the movie based on this case, you should probably go do that too. You had a two-week break between <laughs> last episode and this episode to watch it if you were really interested in it. So now's your chance Basically, to back out now. Tommy's saying do your homework. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, podcasts yeah. are supposed to be fun. I'm not going to give you homework. Yeah. But if you want it to be more and more fun, you should have watched <laughs> <laughs> the movie. Um, yes. Because I will 100% be spoiling it today if you haven't, or if it hasn't been spoiled for you already last week. Yeah. Just as a quick, quick summary of the happenings in the last episode, it uh, revolves around a case that happened in Hwasong, South Korea, which is a rural area just outside of Seoul. So this case happened around 1986 till 1991, approximately. Ten women were murdered in the area. One person was ar- arrested in relation to the crimes. His name was Yoon song Yo, and he went to jail for 20 years in 2019 just two years ago approximately they discovered that dna evidence has traced at least three of the crimes to one other person that wasn't yoon um yoon still says that he is innocent to this day and the person that it was connected to is a man named lee chun jae so in this episode i'm going to be talking about lee chun jae and everything that connects to him and where we are at this point in time in this case since this happened like very recently. So Lee Chun-jae at the time of the DNA discovery was 56 years old. He was in jail serving a life sentence at Busan prison. The reason why is because he raped and murdered his younger sister-in-law in 1994, three years after the last murder took place. Oh my god. According to police, he was a model inmate and had actually become eligible to apply for parole recently. Um, thankfully, as soon as they linked him to at least four of the killings, that was revoked. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I watched a video called How Similar is the Memories of Murders to the actual the hua song serial murders from mm-hmm. korea now on youtube um although the movie came out before they actually found the murderer and the main effect in the movie is actually is is totally imaginary mm-hmm. there were some interesting similarities between the two the prime suspect of the movie lived in a region called jinanri which also happened to be where lee chun jae was born oh my god <laughs> In the movie, the suspect was discharged from military service, and when he moved to the area is when the killings started happening. This was also the case with Lee Chun-jae. So he did his mandatory um, military service in Mm -hmm. South Korea. Uh, As soon as he returned is when the killings started happening in that Mm -hmm. area. He was also excluded because his blood type and footprint did not match those found on the crime scene. Mm Mm-hmm. One month later, after DNA evidence tied him to the crimes, Lee Chun-jae confessed being the one that actually committed the crimes. He didn't give in easily, though. It took nine interviews for him to even warm up to the profilers, and a total of 52 different interviews over the span of seven months to get the full confession for all ten of the murders, as well as four others. He sounds annoying as fuck. Yeah. (laughs) He also admit he raped, or at least tried to rape, at least 30 other women. Oh my god. Yeah, this dude's fucked. 
he gave a detailed confession. Um, the details of the four other murders were not disclosed by police. Um, mm-hmm. I did find one article from 2007 from the Donga Ilbo mm-hmm. called The Same Person or a Different One, mentioning four women going missing in the same Gyeonggi province, speculating that it might have been the same person who committed the pr- the crimes as the Hwasong serial murders. Mm-hmm. All of the women were allegedly abducted in pretty open areas. They went by Park, age 36, Bae, age 45, both of whom worked at karaoke bars, uh, Park, age 52, who was an office worker, and Yeon, who was a 20-year-old college student. Mm-hmm. All of their cell phones went dead in the Hwasong area, and at the time of the article, only Park, age 36's bodies had been found. The article also said that police were trying not to link the four missing cases with one another, although the deceased Park and Bay had similar lifestyles and patterns, so Mm -hmm. there was a pretty clear connection between the two. Mm -hmm. Um, But I personally debunked this because he was arrested (laughs) for murdering his sister-in-law in in 1994, and these were in like 2007. So we don't know any of the details, but yeah. that was an interesting case yeah. that's semi-related to this. He even drew a map of all of the locations of the killings, and I wanted to point out that it was actually profilers that do- were doing these interviews, um, using psychology to wear him down and make him confess, versus mm-hmm. the old methods used back when the case originally took place, which was just brute force. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Um, and tortured, so... Oh, lovely. We love character development. We love new methodologies of of getting information, you know? We love not torturing human beings. Yeah, exactly. One key profiler on the case was Pyo Chang-won. He actually predicted a while back, along with another serial killer, Yu Yong-chul, which we might do an episode on one day. Mm. Uh, I think he's on our list, placed in, like, October right now, but we okay. we change our schedule a lot, so I'm not gonna guarantee yeah. anything. <laughs> yeah. Um, they both predicted that the killer was either dead or in prison for another murder. So, boom. Mm. Pyo Chang Wan actually was a Democratic Party lawmaker, uh, and mm. was a self-taught and self-proclaimed criminal profiler, one of the first in the country. And I read an interview that he had with Korea Jungang Daily where they talk about the history of criminal profiling in Korea, and I thought it was pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to mention a few of the things that um, they talked about. So even though behavioral analysis is really common in the U.S., like, I talk about criminal minds all the time, Mm -hmm. um, South Korea only started officially introducing techniques and hiring criminal profilers in February of 2000, after a serial killer named Jong Do-yong was wreaking havoc in 1999 to 2000. Mm-hmm. This is compared to the U.S.'s introduction of the BSU, the Behavioral, Sci- Behavioral Science Unit mm-hmm. of the FBI in 1972 to investigate Ted Bundy's killings. Mm-hmm. Originally, the government was hiring psychology and sociology majors through tests, trained them to be police officers, and then gave them senior rank as criminal profilers. They hired about 15 of them and sent them to local police stations. But because the local stations weren't aligned with the national police agencies, the profilers, like, weren't really welcome. Mm -hmm. And, like, we talked about this last time, but this is definitely a trope I saw a lot watching Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah. So, in Korea, there's a certain number of open positions for doctors each year, which Mm -hmm. I never heard of. 
but that seems like a pretty dope system because then you mm-hmm. just always have a set number of doctors and like all the graduates get jobs. Mm-hmm. But criminal profilers depend solely on their ability to solve cases, and there are no guaranteed spots. So um, becoming one is pretty tough. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's pretty common too. Like in general, at least yeah. the gist that I get, it's pretty competitive, and it should be because like yes, the way you do your analysis is important, and. Mm-hmm obviously impacts the case when it comes when it goes toward like a court in front of a court yeah so i think it's just like kind of hard to prove that you're a good criminal profiler Mm -hmm. (laughs) if you have like zero experience it Mm -hmm. would probably be hard to get a job but i guess they they do run a lot of tests for the participants i guess Mm -hmm. Okay, back to the case. Now, when I say he confessed to all 10, I do mean all 10, including the 13-year-old girl that Yoon spent 20 years in prison for. The 13-year-old's death was actually deemed a copycat killing for the longest time, but Mm -hmm. he, yeah, eventually confessed to that one too. Mm -hmm. However, his confession wasn't enough to clear Yoon's name, and he was still considered a convicted murderer in the eyes of the law. Okay. So if you remember from last episode, Yoon was kept awake for three days straight during his interrogation, and dropping out in the third or fourth grade, he had zero knowledge of the law. Mm-hmm. Yoon later said in an interview that those times were much like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. When you don't get sleep for three days, you don't know what you said, you don't remember what you did, you can't think properly. You just go along with their questions on and on. Mm-hmm. There's actually a clip of him saying this attached to the CNN article that I used. Mm-hmm. I mentioned in the last part of the episode Mm -hmm. it has credit to uh charles miller i tried to find who that was Mm -hmm. but i could not come up with anything unfortunately so i i yeah i really wanted to see if there was like a extended interview or something with yoon but couldn't come up with much hong yoon's old employer said that he must have felt everything was so unfair Hung actually went out of business when Yoon went to jail because he lost one of his best workers. Dang. Hung said, I lost my business, but Yoon lost his life. Which, oh my god. Which really broke my heart. That's so kind of him to say, though, too. Because it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, Yoon didn't have a violent history or anything. He was just a little slow, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because of his lack of formal education, mm-hmm. I guess. So it's really unfortunate that he got tied into this whole thing. Yeah. And it is true that it was very unfair to him, you know, keeping him up yeah. for that much time and basically torturing him. It's like mal... I, I don't know, like unfair treatment to force a confession, essentially. Yeah. Super unethical. Yeah. And actually, in December 2019... Gyeonggi Namu Provincial Police launched a formal investigation into the seven police officers and one prosecutor who worked the initial investigation, reviewing allegations of abuse of power during arrests. No update as of the article I read from May 2020, Mm -hmm. but hopefully something good comes out of that investigation. Mm -hmm. And you'll see later on that they do talk about this. And uh, spoiler alert, Yoon does get another trial. I do like how recent some of the updates are, too, because two years ago, and then the article that you just mentioned was from May of last year. So it's still relatively recent, which is yeah. kind of cool, because even though this happened, like, quite a long time ago. Yeah, it's nice to see that, like, justice is just now, like, obviously it would have been better if it was a lot 
yeah sooner but it is nice to know that like with the advance of technology and an increased standard for the way that people are treated even if mm-hmm. they are suspects mm-hmm. um it's really nice to see yeah if you remember kim who was accused of the fourth and fifth killings he is a very clear example of all of the abuse of power that was going on Mm -hmm. there was also allegations that one man was waterboarded with spicy seafood soup oh yeah oh my god i didn't know what waterboarding was oh because i thought waterboarding was when you like go on a little board no 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 no. (laughs) it's like some shallow waves but that sounds really painful because then if it's spicy then it gets in your eyes and shit Mm mm-hmm yeah, so I looked it up and watched a 10-minute video oh from the infographics show <gasps> called Waterboarding, the Worst Punishment in the History of Mankind. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to go through some key points there because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything and maybe a lot of our listeners also don't know much about waterboarding. But mm-hmm. Basically, it's a form of torture that was used since medieval times, sourcing back to the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, man. Basically, um, people were starting not to be so fond of the idea of torture Mm -hmm. and the catholic church needed a way to extract information without leaving any marks Mm -hmm. and fell upon water torture Mm -hmm. where the individual is fully restrained on a tilted table where the head is on the low end and the feet are elevated back then people would literally have a tube stuck in their throat and water poured down their stomach Mm. oftentimes the water would get into the lungs causing death yeah obviously but the more modern form of waterboarding uses a cloth or towel to cover the victim's mouth and face um they're not always laid down but usually part of the cloth is stuffed into their mouth water would then be poured onto the face absorbed by the towel and filling the mouth of the victim yeah but like with spicy seafood yeah that oh like how do you make it worse (laughs) yeah literally So this simulates a sense of drowning and can be repeated for days until the torturers are satisfied with what they got from the victim without actually physically harming them for the most part. Mm -hmm. Some victims would actually inhale the water since the cloth also covered their nose and Mm -hmm. that caused them to drown. Mm -hmm. This seems like a really old technology, but they actually use this a lot across the world since... Yeah, you know, conquering stuff leads to globalization and shit. Um, and the Germans and Japanese loved this during World War Two. Yeah. Um, the French used it, and the Americans used it in Vietnam, um, Africa, Europe, Asia, everywhere basically. Everywhere basically, yeah. I think it's just a very common technique that's been used for mm-hmm. like extracting information. Yeah. The CIA in America even got passed to use this after 9-11, and it wasn't banned until Barack Obama took office. Dang. I didn't know that part. Yep. Trump actually said that he didn't think it was real torture. Um, anyway, back to the case. And we'll just leave it at that. I was going to comment on it, but we're just going to leave it there. This man was waterboarded with spicy seafood soup. <laughs> Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> That's really fucked up. Um, I mentioned this in the last episode that Memories of Murder actually shows them torturing the victims. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but waterboarding wasn't shown as one of the methods. Mm-hmm. In the movie, though, they did hang a man upside down from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, By his toes? Uh, I'm not sure how. They didn't really show that part. But they did show, like, his fingers went black from mm-hmm. how long he was held upside down. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they did do that in yeah. Memories of Murder. Or not in Memories of Murder, in the Hwasong Serial yeah. Murder Investigation. Um, also, I realize I know a little bit too much about, like, torture because <laughs> I know exactly what waterboarding is, and I've definitely heard about the thing where you said, like, hung him upside down from the oh, ceiling. Because yeah. uh-huh. I think maybe I've just been watching a lot of CIA shows. <laughs> <laughs> I think most of my torture knowledge comes from, like, I don't know if you know, like, Discovery Channel had, like, this one show where they showed, like, really old, fo- really old forms of torture, like, medieval torture Damn. methods. Most of them I know from that. I think I heard. Well, I listened to a podcast about that exact thing, like medieval torture. I, did yeah, Morbid I do that? Think Morbid did that. Yeah, yeah. That's probably that why. was that was interesting too. Yeah. The really frustrating thing about this, though, is the officers accused for this abuse of power will likely not be charged due to mm. the statute of limitations mm. expiring on these allegations. Since the investigation went cold in around 1991, 15 years after that would have been around 2006. That's just really unfortunate. Yeah. Like, in terms of timing. Uh-huh. In 2020, Yoon began his retrial because he wanted to clear his name. Retrials in South Korea are super rare and usually are only accepted if new evidence is provided. And he was lucky mm-hmm. because this was a very high-profile case and the evidence was kept for over 20 years. Usually, there were, however, some things against Yoon's case. No DNA evidence had been connected to the 13-year-old girl's murder. Pubic hair found at the scene returned a 40% match with Yoon. I don't know how they got a 40%, but with the technology in 1989, that's what the National Forensic Service came up with. Mm -hmm. The court ordered the NFS, so the National Forensic Service, to extract DNA from the hair, Yoon's lawyer at the time said that there's a chance the samples taken from Yoon could have been mixed up with the original evidence because of how old it's been stored and who knows if mm-hmm. they've been mislabeled and things like that. Yeah. So the odds weren't really in Yoon's favor, but he still had like a lot of hope. Yeah. Yoon said it took him three years to adjust to life outside of prison Mm. and that when he came out the world had changed so much that he initially wanted to go back in yeah he said my life patterns at the prison didn't accommodate the new world i was faced with and so he was in there for like 20 years and the world changes so much in not even like 20 years but like in like five years yeah think about the last five years like holy shit things are so different yeah even like me I got, like, a new TV, and I had no idea how to use it because it's one of those smart TVs. Tammy, same. I realize we have shows on demand on my TV. I I discovered this today. We have a history channel, and I can go watch documentaries about UFOs on there. I don't... what? Why Why do I have Netflix? I'm kidding. I don't have my own Netflix. But, like, same. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I I feel like those old grandmas trying to figure out technology. Okay. For the longest time, I didn't know how to restart my router. My grandma knew how to restart my router, and I did not know how to restart my router. So that just goes to show how technologically literate I am. Love it. Yoon said that he just wants to live the rest of his life as an innocent man and wants his honor back. 
In December of 2020, Yoon Sung-yo was officially acquitted at age 53. Damn. During the retrial, the court said that the case against Yoon had been built upon illegal detention, torture, and no reliable evidence. Good. Park Jong-jae, the district court judge, said that it was a wrong verdict based on faulty investigations. He also apologized that the judicial system had failed to serve its role. When the verdict was announced, it was said that the court exploded into applause and people presented him with flowers. Prosecutors decided not to appeal the ruling either. Good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The National Police Agency also apologized for stigmatizing an innocent young man as the murderer and said, We bow our head deeply in apology for him and his family. Which I thought was extra sad because he had no family. Yeah. Like, why would they say that? (laughs) Goes to show, like, how much they knew. (laughs) Yeah. And mind you, this revelation only came out last year, over 30 years later. Mm -hmm. So times have obviously changed, and police brutality is pretty frowned upon in general, Mm -hmm. especially with movements like Black Lives Matter bringing police brutality to the forefront of discussions regarding human rights. Mm -hmm. This was a super embarrassing case for the South Korean police because it exposed their cruel methods and really made them acknowledge the damage that they did not only to Yoon, but also to other people that were wrongfully tortured just to get a confession. Mm -hmm. And I think it's also important to note that during that time, Korea was actually under military rule. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned this in the last episode, Mm -hmm. but just as a refresher. But this meant that police authority and brutality um, was kind of whatever, and people couldn't do much against them at the time because, you know, the police brutality and military go hand in hand. Yeah. The National Police Agency announced reforms of investigation processes, which included the establishment of civic criminal investigation committees to allow citizens to participate in investigations safely. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they also pledged stronger protections of human rights for suspects. Actually, in 2019, President Moon Jae-in was already working on prosecution reforms. So this was a nice little, don't forget what these guys did, make sure we address that. Yeah. This also included abolishing the special investigations units and ending late night interrogations. Mm. So some good did come out of this eventually. Yeah. (laughs) Just very, way too late. No, that's really comforting to hear. Yeah, it it sucks that... I mean, it always sucks that a lot of these things, like when change takes place, a lot of it comes mm-hmm. because something horrible happened, right? Yeah. But I think at least it's, you know, the change is happening and at least they're making changes and they're reforming how things are done to be better and, you know, respect human rights, essentially. Yeah. And to not repeat these mistakes in the future. Yeah. During the trial, Lee chun Jae, the actual serial killer, also took the stand as a witness for Yoon. he's currently 57 which meant that he was only four years older than yoon and that he began murdering around the age of 23 when he returned from military service to his home in hwasong even he testified that the police investigation was botched oh my god you know it's like bad when the real dude who killed yeah like the people says that He even said, I still don't understand how come it has taken so long for them to catch me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. 
He said that prior to his killing spree in 1986, he was actually questioned by police regarding a case of a 29-year-old woman who was raped and murdered in Hwasong, but was released due to lack of evidence. Mm -hmm. He was allowed to walk free when they decided not to pursue it any further. He had been carrying the watch of one of the victims when police questioned him in their investigations. Oh my god. And he said that he often bumped into investigators, but they always asked him about his friends or neighbors, but never questioned him directly. Oh my god. In 1991, he got married, had a son, and moved to Chongju, which is his wife's hometown. That's where he murdered his sister-in-law in in 1994, (laughs) which is around the time police started to use dna evidence yeah they were able to catch him on that one because they found blood stains in his bathroom that matched the dna of his sister-in-law yeah but again since the statute of limitations on the last victim had expired in 2006 Mm -hmm. he couldn't be prosecuted for the killings even if he confessed to the crimes and if you remember from our frog boys case the statute of limitations used to be 15 years and that wasn't lifted until july of 2015 so unfortunately this case was not affected by that change and since he was already serving a life sentence, there really wasn't much else to do with the case. And officials wrapped up the one-year investigation on the case that they call Lee Chun-jae serial murder case. Mm-hmm. They mentioned he had obvious psychopathic tendencies and felt no remorse or empathy for his crimes. Mm-hmm. Lee actually said that he'd rather stay in prison, making reference to Cho Do soon another Korean case in which a man raped an eight-year-old girl. And when he was released, people were threatening his life so much that police had to protect his house. Yeah. Well, people, I mean... Yeah. Certain types of crimes, like... All kinds of crimes are, like, horrible. But I think, like, when it involves children is when most of the hatred comes out. Yeah. Because that is, like... Yeah, it's just really messed up. I mean, like, anytime you kill someone, it's really messed up already. Uh-huh. I think, like, when you do something to children is when people, like, the hate is endless. Yeah. And even in jail, like, people see child murderers or, like, child molesters, and those people are, like, the worst of the bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Lee said that it's not like I haven't thought about life would be like if I were released on parole, but I would rather stay in prison. I've heard how the people were reacting to Cho Do Soon's release. I can imagine what it would be like if they heard I was coming out. Yeah. And that is the end of the case. Damn. Well, good. I'm glad he's staying in jail. Yeah, it's quite a like unsatisfying ending, but also like kind of satisfying that he's already in jail, yeah. so it doesn't matter. And it's nice that like yeah. all these families were able to get closure on finding like the real killer. Yeah, and I think even though he were he wasn't convicted on that or prosecuted for those specific cases, mm-hmm. he did confess to it, and there's yeah. knowledge now that he was the one, and he's in jail for something else anyways. Like, he's a horrible person, so he deserves to be there. Yeah, and the maps that he drew uh, were actually pretty useful, because they mm-hmm. uh, were able to find some more evidence, or n- not really evidence, but, like, bodies... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, they could return belongings and things like that to the families. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's wow. that's the two-part Dang. case. Yeah, thank you, Tammy. I actually, the other thing that I wanted to say was, I can't imagine what it was like for you to leave and come back into this world. Yeah. Because 
like I don't know how much how exposed you are to technology when you're in jail. Not much, right? And exactly. So like, how do you figure this stuff out? I remember. I think I saw this on TikTok. I see everything on TikTok <laughs> now. But there was an ex-convict who was talking about his experience leaving jail and coming back into like the world, and that was one of the biggest things was getting a phone, but also the like typing LOL and like. BRB and things like that, like the, all the acronyms and shorthands that we used. And he said the other thing that confused him a lot was emojis. Because he was like, what the fuck are these things? Like, Aww. what does this mean? And it's weird because it's become like a natural part of our communication, right? Yeah. But for someone who is basically like picked up from one world into a completely new world, mm-hmm. like that's, it's just very jarring. So... Yeah, I don't know if I mentioned yeah. this in the last episode, so let me know if you heard this before. But mm-hmm. um, I saw a social worker who posted that an inmate after his release, people were trying to get in touch with him and uh, reach out to him, but he reluctantly reached out to her and asked, "What's an email?" Oh, and especially with the world where it's at now, like during COVID, yeah. he was released during a pandemic yeah and she had to teach him how to install zoom like he had to set up like uh an apple's account for itunes just so he could download zoom because that's how everyone communicated she had to teach him how to turn on and off mute um you know add people add contacts formal email etiquette and all of these things that like People don't really think about these things when they think of a person being released from jail. They think like, oh, that person is potentially dangerous or, oh, that person is reformed. They'll be a good, you know, participating member of society. But they don't consider all these things like the culture shock of being released from jail after such a long time. Yeah. Especially in a COVID world where everything is online. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate. Like you have no choice. You can't even. Yeah meet with people at this point either yeah that's so sad though because i remember in elementary we would be taught about rehabilitation for inmates Mm -hmm. not rehabilitation in terms of like indigenous peoples on our land because that's a whole other issue (laughs) that we could talk about oh yeah but um i think we would talk about like rehabilitation for inmates who are being released from jail and that was something that was emphasized a lot but you talk about it, actually implementing it and it actually being executed in society is rare, I feel like, yeah. especially when it comes to aspects like this with technology mm-hmm. and things like that. And, you know, our society relies on these like social workers to be able to help support people to get back to society, too, because like uh-huh. what else, especially for that person, what else would they have done? Like just sit there and like be confused <laughs> about the world, basically. Yeah. And again, like, even Yoon said, it took him three years to finally get yeah. somewhat adjusted. Yeah. All right. If you wanted to check out the show notes from today's case, make sure to go check it out at bit.ly slash incrimination. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, if you're still here, thank you. Go follow <laughs> us at incrimination on Instagram so that you can connect with us and DM us and all that good stuff. Yes, yes, yes. All right. Bye. Bye.